Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co-host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, your co-host, joined, as always, by Diana Laufer. Hi, everyone. And this week in studio, we have a special guest, his first time with us. Thanks for joining us, David Trogue. It's my pleasure. Hi, everybody. David is the new research director, new-ish research director on the customer experience team, and he had the assignment, his first one, of authoring our predictions report for 2017. Title is Predictions 2017, the CX Quality Split. So thank you, David, for putting that report out and for coming in to talk to us about it. So what do you see coming for next year? Well, let's see. Uh, I really was not the single author. It was a team effort. The entire CX team really pitched in on this one. But yes, all right, I did put pen to paper and off of the thing. You know, we call this uh, report the CX Quality Split, and here's why. When we sat down to talk about it, one of the things that struck us is that when we look back at the CX index performance of brands from 2015 to 2016, we noticed an interesting pattern, which is that brands that had done well in 2015 were still leaders, but really hadn't risen in the index, whereas the laggards had moved up. And, uh, kind of surprised us. And in some ways, we got a little worried for a moment thinking, wait a minute, has CX kind of peaked? Are the leaders (laughs) at the point where they're not going to be going up anymore? Um, And that kind of got our conversation going. So the floor was coming up, the ceiling wasn't rising. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. You know, looking at that, we wondered, is there still room for progress? And concluded that, yes, there is. It's just (laughs) that the way brands are going to get there is going to be different. In, In the past few years, a lot of brands have done better by working on the fundamentals and doing better at the basics of CX. In some ways, you could call it the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. And so what that means is not that we've reached a peak for CX or a high plateau, if you will, but that it's going to require a lot more work to do better from now on. You talk about the split actually manifesting itself in the report in certain areas. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I mean, it's, it's essentially a, a fork in the road, and we see a lot of brands in some ways staying where they are and not managing to do a whole lot better because of the hard work required. And some of the areas that stood out to us as realms where there is going to be real opportunity for differentiation in terms of this fork in the road are number one, data security. Number two, the emotional drivers of customer experience. Number three, conversational interfaces, including both chatbots and intelligent agents. And number four, metrics. What strikes me about those four areas is some of them are right in sort of the CX team's wheelhouse, things like metrics and even um, emotional drivers. But but some of these things like data security might be areas that CX pros aren't thinking about. So really, we're talking about getting sort of the whole enterprise involved in making this differentiation happen. Yeah, exactly. I think not only are CX pros maybe not as aware of what's going on in some of those realms, but their counterparts on the other side of the aisle are lacking an awareness of CX, which is exactly the uh, reason for some of the problems that we mm. that we foresee. So let's think about data security for a minute. Mm-hmm. What we see happening there is that, as we're all aware, there have been more and more data breaches over the past few years. And so naturally, companies want to do the right thing. They want to plug the holes, as it were, and make sure that their sites are secure and that customers' data is secure. 
Now, that motivation, obviously, is a, is a virtuous one. You want to do that for your customers. But what we're expecting is there are going to be some situations where haste maketh waste, and uh, companies are going to try hard to plug those holes, do a lot better in terms of security, but in the process, really hamper customer experience. So hmm. when you do that, you know you, you maybe think you're doing the right thing by your customers, but it can end up uh, backfiring, and we expect that's going to be an area of real differentiation where some companies will do it very well, and others will miss the mark. Yeah, that's interesting. I was before going to say, oh, diminishing marginal returns as you get higher and higher in CX, but actually this data security example points to the fact that the work of making improvements gets more complex because you suddenly have to really involve these other parts of the organization in a coherent way to do this right. Yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, there's sometimes a lack of awareness of the meaning of customer experience on the other side of the aisle uh, with, for example, uh, security and risk professionals who are committed to doing the right thing. But for example, one of the issues we discussed, one of the challenges we discussed was the fact that last year, the rollout of chip-enabled debit and credit cards was in some ways kind of a fiasco. Maybe fiasco is too strong a word, but there were a lot of complaints about the fact that the customer experience was poor. It took a lot longer to actually complete a transaction with these things. Mm -hmm. And I think it was very telling that one comment that was in the press from a spokesperson from MasterCard was that, well, yes, it is a little slower, but it's just, that's just really a customer perception. (laughs) <laughs> right? So it's like, really? Correct. So, yes, correct. It is. You've, exactly. you've nailed on the root of the problem here, MasterCard. Exactly. But even for, um, you know, a brand like MasterCard, that uh, to, to believe that perception is a non-issue or is something that doesn't matter obviously shows a degree of naivete that uh, is going to so set up a lot of brands. There's a way to go. Challenge there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe one upshot from the chip cards taking so long to get approved and complete the transaction is that you're stuck there in an awkward moment with your cashier or person you're interacting with, and so there's a bit more of a human connection. So that's my awkward segue to our next question for you, which is really about trying to differentiate in the realm of emotion as another big prediction for 2017. What are we expecting companies to do in this area? Well, in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of efforts to do a better job at measuring emotion. And mm-hmm. what we think is the the natural next step is for brands to try to influence emotion. The tricky thing is that's a lot harder. Measuring something and observing it is kind of a neutral, non-interfering uh, mode. And yes, we've made progress at that. But if you're actually going to try to uh, influence and change the emotions that your customers experience, that's a little trickier. In particular, there are you know, two things that we anticipate a lot of brands are going to be trying to do that are both well-founded. Number one, to try to eliminate negative experiences and make that a priority over positive experiences for a simple psychological reason that those negative experiences tend to actually be amplified, have a stronger effect than the positive experiences. So they are a good place to start. And the other is to start really trying to create what are sometimes called signature moments, moments in the experience that are emotionally intense and truly distinctive and memorable and associated with a particular brand. Challenge is that, again, those things are both really tricky. And a lot of brands have a history of not paying enough attention to emotion. So there's a little bit of a, yeah. you know, an enthusiasm factor that we expect is going to lead them to, uh, in a lot of cases, to kind of bungle it. Um, it's one thing to make a measurement mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, nobody really notices that outside of uh, the company. That doesn't affect your customers directly. But if you try to... Uh, <laughs> create an emotional experience that is better and you bungle it, well, that's a little bit like uh, being the undesirable at the party. Uh, That can really damage the brand, damage the reputation. Hmm. So it's something that we think is going to be a problem for a lot of companies. So influencing emotion is high risk, but also high reward, we think, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Listeners, I'll just make a plug here. Episode 37, we discussed how to measure emotion in customer experience. 
And in episode 71, we talked with Ryan Hart and James McQuivy about the dawn of anticipatory CX, which is really sort of their efforts to flesh out, tease out this, this concept around signature moments, around understanding uh, how people anticipate and look forward to experiences in ways that influences their emotional memories of those experiences. Good plug, Sam. Thank you. So David, we won't make you talk about all four areas, but I do want to ask just about one more of the areas that you mentioned, conversational Uh interfaces, just Hmm. because I think there's a lot of confusion there about what we mean about conversational interfaces. You've got chatbots and intelligent agents. Maybe you could provide a little bit of clarification and then tell us where you're seeing the differentiation there. Sure. Yeah, there is confusion. And that confusion is going to be the basis for a lot of the problems that we expect to see. You can think of it as two ends of a spectrum for conversational interfaces. At one end, uh, chatbots, which which you can think of as kind of the simple, very specific, narrow domain uh, helpers, and we think that's more likely to succeed. Hmm. Um, At the other end, intelligent agents are really we're trying to use technology to replace a human assistant. Um, which is the kind of thing that companies or the large companies are trying to do. So, for example, you know, Siri, Cortana, uh, Alexa, Google Assistant. Mm-hmm. The problem is that because there's this confusion out there, we're expecting that companies are likely to try a little too hard to be on the end of the spectrum of the intelligent agents. So it's one thing to have, you know, a chatbot that does something very narrow, like the Dom chatbot that Domino's deployed for taking orders for pizza. That's a pretty narrow domain, right? So what 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 are the kinds of questions you have to be able to recognize? Well, they have to do with toppings or crusts. Uh, so <laughs> the technology involved in doing that is much simpler than when you're trying to do a general purpose assistant that needs to recognize all possible domains of, uh, of human activity and human thought that someone right. could be asking about, which are much more prone to error. The big guys, the big brands like Google and Apple and, and Amazon are going to have some success. And in fact, I would say over the long term, quite a bit of success, even though in, hmm. in the short term, there are some embarrassments. So for example, when Google Assistant rolled out Allo, their intelligence assistant, there was um, an instance of a journalist who tested it out by asking uh, for uh, where he might be able to go see the movie Snowden. Well, the word Snowden was very effectively recognized, but Google Assistant responded um, with a list of showtimes for a bunch of different movies that were playing at a theater that was called The Snowden. Had nothing Uh, to do with the movie, right? So there's some simple mistakes like that that Google can afford to make those mistakes and just learn over time, Mm -hmm. but smaller brands are going to have a much hard a time with that. So stick to chatbots if you're going to do it at all. Well, David, thank you for joining us on an episode of CXCast. We'd love to have you back. Uh, Don't even have to write another report before we have you back. We'll talk about uh, anything and everything. And this report, listeners, is Predictions 2017, the CX quality split. Give it a read, print it out, check us next year, see how we did, see what we got right, and uh, what happened along the way. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at s-s-t-e-r-n at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality. Mm-hmm.